Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It is Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are here to talk about everyone's favorite rolling disaster, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Uh, I guess, in theory, we are here to talk about our 1-1 draw against Everton at Goodison Park. But, you know, I think that it's, you know, much like a uh, meteor strike, there's the immediate damage and then there's sort of the general damage that it also causes and that's kind of where spurs are right now as a club uh you know there's the things that are going wrong on the pitch and then there's everything else so joining me as always this week coming to us from the hills of east atlanta it is ben daniels ben um (laughs) how are you coping with your favorite football club Um, well it's been tough but these metaphors are really getting me through it i try i try (laughs) something has to and by favorite football club, I am, of course, referring to Brighton. That's right. Yeah, another another strong win today for the Brighton boys. Deserve um, if you ever want to move a little north. And I would imagine face down in the slopes of uh, Miami, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you handling all this? I am just great. I have so much energy. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I think it's worth noting uh, before we get into the game, we have not technically podcast since Antonio Conte was fired by Tottenham Hotspur uh, or sorry, departed by mutual um, mutual agreement. Uh, so, yeah, a lot's happened. Since, well, I, I guess we knew it was going, but a lot's happened since we last podcast. Uh, Christian Salini took control of Spurs. He had his first game. It was a disaster. Um yeah, things aren't great at this club. Uh, ben, I, I feel like you've been waiting for this moment for a while, so I would be uh, remiss to let it pass without comment. But how are you feeling now that Antonio Conte is officially out of Tottenham? You know, you would think I'd be feeling better. And yet, so many other things have conspired to go wrong since that's happened that I don't feel good even slightly. I'm glad Conte's gone, but... Since Conte departed, we also had the Paratici suspension from World Football, and we had the weird hostage video where Paratici was like the face of the club for a minute, and then the next day he was like, oh, this video was actually recorded from an illegal cell phone smuggled into his jail cell because he was convicted by FIFA. And then Daniel Levy was like, we're not going to do anything about this, and so that felt great. And then what else happened? Oh, yeah, Chelsea fired Graham Potter. So that's one more big club we're competing which, with. For which part of that are you manager. sad about? The, which part of that are you sad about? The fact that they're going to compete with us for other managers or that Graham Potter got sacked? I mean, I, I like Graham Potter. I think he's a nice guy. I don't mind that he failed at Chelsea. Like, I would, I'm rooting for him as a person in his career, but I'm happy for that to be a big failure. Uh, so, yeah, it's all just been a disaster kind of all around. And then we obviously appointed Stellini and Mason as our interim stopgap situation to see out the season. And 
We saw how that went yesterday. So, yeah, it just feels like a very rudderless institution right now. And even though we got the guy, like, actively drilling holes in the boat, it doesn't really feel like we have any plan to get us back to shore. It's it's just so funny that the Conte thing was last week. Like, that seems so long ago. If you told me Nuno was our manager 50 years ago, I'd believe you. Yeah, well, it's just like, you know, people people on Twitter have been doing the, the Tuchel and Antonio Conte handshake thing. And they were like, that happened this season. And like them, that just doesn't feel correct to me. And 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 I don't know. I the, the I, I, I feel like we've all, as as Spurs fans, have just, like, aged, like, a decade in the past two weeks. Like, this has just been so much weirdness and stupidity that we, we, we as fans can't have been prepared to handle it. It's... I honestly don't know where to start, so let's talk... Let's start with the most recent disaster, which is the Everton match. Um... So Stellini was put in charge of Spurs, which I think was a bit of a surprise to all of us, um, but probably speaks a lot to how Conte left and where his head was at when he did leave. But, you know, I think there were like... There, there, were, there were moments in the first... <laughs> I was were, struggling were there, were there Were there anything? Yeah, because there at was first nothing. it seemed like at least we're fucking like kicking it long and going for it, like which isn't great, but... I mean, that's more than we were doing under Conte. And then, you know, again, I feel like a lot of this game, I mean, honestly, I feel like a lot of this game was, we were all kind of hoping that it was going to feel a little different. And it was just more of the same. And it was, you know, there were a couple things that could have come off early on for Spurs, but didn't. I'm I'm kind of thinking of, I, I believe it was Perisic who hit the bar. Um, was there, there was a shot on goal that Kulishevsky or Kane probably should have put in the back of the net, but it just didn't happen you know there was a couple things that could have taken you know gone on and we were a little more proactive than we've been in recent weeks but you know we still aren't inspiring we're still not very good and then we go up 10 men and you know we get a clear-cut penalty and we just surrender the initiative as soon as it's over and you know i i think there's you, you can there's been a lot of talk online like is it the players or is it the coach and i think there's certainly things you can criticize the players about, but when that team as an organized structure is just seeding possession the way they did to Everton when we're down. I mean, that to me is, I mean, that's on the coach. That is on Stellini. And I actually have a little bit of sympathy for Stellini. I understand that, like, you spent all year doing what you're doing, and it hasn't worked, but, you know, changing everything up in a week is difficult. You've got to at least keep some of the foundation as a functional matter, but, like... Come on, like this whole, like, you're inviting pressure on yourself. You know we don't handle that well. Even if, like, you try that at first in the game and it's just like, okay, well, our counterattacks aren't working. Like, you got to fucking stop that. And we just didn't do anything to adjust. I mean, I think from, like, a bigger picture standpoint, you know, it's like we saw Stellini sub in for Conte, you know, earlier this year and do pretty well. And, you know, you could talk yourself into believing that, letting this guy manage the same tactics without the toxic presence of Antonio Conte's histrionics, like, this could work. Like, we'd seen Conte's football be good. 
it felt really like Conte was the anchor dragging this whole thing down. And maybe we would get just a little, little more liberated version of Conte football with Cellini. And yeah, it's exactly we did. Like for, for it was, a little bit. For a little bit, we did. Right until until we had a one goal initiative and a one man initiative, and then we decided to revert back to the exact same bullshit we've seen so many times. And you know, it was like the lineup dropped, and it's like, oh, yep, these are the same fucking guys we've seen every week. Maybe again, we could still talk ourselves into believing something is going to be different, and yeah, it just barely was different, and then very quickly wasn't. There's once again no substitutions other than Davidson Sanchez and Lucas Mora, you know, two of Conte's favorite substitutions who never impact the game in a positive manner, and yeah, and then Lucas got himself sent off. So like, well, to me that's the that's the thing that's just, most inexcusable because not only is like, I mean, it's. Like, like what everyone's focusing on, Lucas is old and on his way out and sucks. And I get that. And I know, honestly, to be fair to Lucas, like he was more, I mean, he was more active than Sun before he got sent off. But there's a level of like, you look at what was going on in the game and what we needed to do. And it was like, keep possession, advance the ball, keep it in their half. And I mean, unless I'm totally off, like Dan Juma seems like a player who's ideally suited to that kind of strategy. And he's bringing Lucas on. Like, why are we bringing Lucas on? Like, you bring Lucas on when you need to stretch the field and, like, go with them. I mean, if we were, you know, trying to reel him in, like, you know. I mean, oh, this is the same thing we complain about every time Lucas comes on in every match. It's always in the wrong context. It never makes sense. He's always the guy who sucks and is on his way out. We always say, you know, we have this mystery box of Dan Juma not playing. We don't even know what he's capable of because no one's willing to, like, let him cook. And if, if, like I said, if we're chasing a match, like I can. Okay, so. No, we'd be mad about that too. There's no, we'd there's be mad no about that reason to ever put Lucas thing, Moore on. Here's the thing that gets me about all this is so I'm a fan. I was a fan. I am a fan of a team that was a very bad baseball team for a very long time. And I got very used to like trying to understand why they're doing what they're doing. And maybe it's bad and maybe it sucks. And this is actually a helpful sort of framework for what we're going to talk about with Daniel Levy later, but you just, you know, it, it helped keep me sane if I could at least understand like what the thought process was behind some decisions, because maybe they're bad, maybe they're stupid, but if you can sort of understand why the manager did this or why the front office did that, it makes, you know, it makes me like a little less insane and, and that game at that time in that situation. And I understand that like, you know, the bad things you think that are going to happen with Lucas probably aren't a red card, but I don't understand, like, like what's the upside? Other than, like, Lucas is fit and, like, ready to run around a lot, which I, I just don't understand, like, how that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see the version of this decision that is a no. good idea. And you combine you that haven't with, seen like, a version of that good decision for a, at least a year, if there's not like, long. There's no there's, version of that substitution that I can talk myself into like, okay, well, this is what Stellini was trying to do. You know, it's like, why is he coming in over Dan Juma? Like, why hasn't Daniel Levy been like, do not put Lucas in over Dan Juma? We need to see Dan Juma before next year so we can make a decision. I don't know. It's It, it is... It is a bad decision. It is not just a bad decision. It is a confoundingly bad decision. Like, I can't even see the logic behind it, is what I'm trying to say. 
So there's just to unpack from all of that. Like, I, I think for me, there's a couple of big issues with, with what we saw against Everton. There's one where it's just largely a continuation of Conte. And, and Greg, I think you touched on it. Like, do something different. Pick some different guys. Do some different subs. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not so naive as to think that we would have played some different formation or, or, or whatever. But like, something to, to show us that this was different. And, and then, so instead of different formation, different personnel, what we got was. 35 minutes where we tried hard and and you know we talked about greg talked about like you know there was some more verticality to to the play there was some more um you know we we were interested in keeping the ball more but it also just wasn't coming off like you know the first half and and even if you want to give us a little more credit up until we get the the penalty and we score the first goal like what we were doing wasn't that different than what we had done at other times this season. Like we did it with a little bit more vim and vigor, like cool. That's not a new manager bounce. That's not us trying something different. That's like, Hey, someone new is a little bit in charge. Maybe I should run a little harder. Like that, that's what we saw for a little bit. And, and it, didn't actually ever really even amount to something like we didn't have a, a a real good shot on goal after the 16th minute like this was not some i don't know new manager bounce or like different performance or or anything like this was just a continuation of what we've been seeing for the last couple of months and 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 it was a continuation in the exact same ways, like like we've already touched on the substitutions, the 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 seeding control after the goal. Like this was a a nothing of a performance. Like you, this match could have happened a month ago, and I it, it there would be no difference. Like like I don't know. I, this the I, the whole game was frustrating. From a perspective of you had the talk leading up to the match, like, oh, these new guys, these guys that have been frozen out. I'm talking about introducing them. And then the guys that were frozen out were Davinson and Lucas. I, I just this was just a horrible, horrible game against a team that is so awful. And I think I think that's the thing we're ignoring here is like. We should have beat the brakes off of Everton. Yeah, and and especially I especially once the Corey went went off. Yes, like. absolutely. And look, I understand that Dyche has changed them from what they were, and that he has he's he's done a good job of like instilling some of his organizational principles into the team. And and it's not the same Everton that we had for you know the first you know five months of the season. I get that, but. They're going to get relegated, probably. And we looked like that. And, and you know, we had good opportunities. We we got in good positions. And just, we, we, we fucked everything up. Like, it wasn't even just like, oh, Everton was good and they packed the middle 
and and they prevented us from from doing stuff. Every break just ended with a turnover. Just not not even not even necessarily like a shot or a shot that missed the target. Just like a turnover because we passed it into space that no one was occupying or or we tried to force it into the middle where there was no one making a run and it was just infuriating and and that's even before we go up a man like like that's just the I, first I, half brian I, you're, you're right but i think what really bothers me is like i had pretty low expectations for this because both because Stellini is who he is, and I'm not. I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Well, I'm trying to be a little more disrespectful than I would have been a few days ago. But you know, it is what it is. The season's been what it's been. Their physical condition is what it is. And frankly, as if Stellini was a better manager than he was, there's only so much you can really do. You took over the team in international break. You know, you're not gonna fucking change the way they play radically change the way they play in such a short amount of time. But even then, like you don't have any new ideas that you just don't. Like, God, if you just, like, like the way Son was playing, which was, like, right back to the worst, the most wasteful shit we've seen all season, like, you just bring on Danjuma for that. I mean, shit, you just bring on Danjuma after the goal, like, because, like, bring on someone who can help us retain possession. Or, you like, mix things up, throw on Sar, put him in midfield, let him hold the ball. Like, well, especially when we're up 10 men, we're up a goal. Bring on someone who can possess the ball and pass it. Like, I'm like, I, I don't even want to have this conversation because we've had this conversation so many times. And that's what's so frustrating is, like, why are we having the same conversation that we've it's, had 50 times this season when ostensibly we fired the manager who is behind, you know, the reason for these conversations and the reason for these tactics and the reason for these performances? You know, we have... Like you said, Greg, it's it's a big lift to transform us in, in a two-week period where half the team is away on international break. But, like, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect a guy coming into this job and trying something that says, I'm the manager now. I am going to have us do something different and not the same thing that got my predecessor fired for being bad at his job. And that's not what we got. We got the same shit. You know, I, I don't care if we played 20 minutes of like more vertical, progressive ball. We've, we've seen, you know, flashes yeah. of decent football out of this team. It's not like we've been incapable of this. But the big picture of what this team looks like was exactly the same. And we went, all three of us, along with Wendy, went to Portugal and we watched. No, no, no. We watched a team that was well on top playing a much inferior team. And they had a man, the, the inferior team got a man sent off in like the 35th minute. And Sporting was doing just fine that ma- match. And Amarim, like, immediately he made he made a substitution in the 35th minute. And we all reacted like we watched a child bend a spoon with his mind. Like, cause, like that was such a radical thing right. to he do. He took off the defender and brought on Marcus Edwards to squeeze them and put pressure. Yeah, and Edwards was on the bench because I think they just had a European match and or a cup match or something, so he was resting him. But he made this immediate substitution, like in the 35th minute, in a game where he probably didn't need to do that. Like they were better than Vittoria, so they probably could have done that. And what I'm saying is, Stellini has like fucking nothing to lose. So like you can't even make like radical substitutions or like you know, okay, well, you know, I don't like I don't care what possession structures Conte had. Like if you're your idea, Wendy had a good thread on Twitter about this, about if like part of what happened after the goal when we were up 10 men, when we were up by a man is 
okay, well, our idea of stretching them out is playing it around the back, which inherently invites pressure. And, like, okay, you want to try that? Sure. But once it stops working, if you're Stellini, what the fuck do you have to lose? Like, stop doing that. Like, all we were doing was getting pummeled. And, like, we're up a man against Everton. Like, I don't right. know. I feel like I, think, I feel like Spurs podcasters could assemble an 11 that could beat Everton. Like, right. this team I think should do better. I think you make a good point when you say, you know, Cellini, what does he have to lose? And maybe he doesn't want to work here long term because it's been so bad and he's just doing us a favor. But, like, if you want to become a, a manager, you're an assistant coach your whole life and you want to, like, get a real job, like, you've got to take some swings, man. You've got 10 games to show that you know what you're doing. And, you know, I think if you asked us before this match, like, what does Stellini need to do for you to be okay with, like, keeping him on as a full-time manager? This is not what you wanted to see. You know, you wanted to see a guy who, you know, wins games comfortably, has some ideas of his own, and is willing to take some risks and try something different. And... The fact that Stellini doesn't seem to recognize that, like, that's the job right now is just sort of catastrophically concerning for the rest of the season. Like, I don't believe this man is capable of even finishing out the next nine games, let alone becoming a permanent manager. Like, I I mean, we should have considered him as a permanent manager anyway, but, like, show me something. Well. And and I I can't fucking believe I'm gonna say this, but like I would have almost had rather had Ryan Mason just run out the the best dudes and vibes. Like Mason because, was at least yelling like what the hell's going on? Like Yeah, because because the, the Conte light version of things that the that Cellini did was I mean it wasn't fun. Like again I'm not saying that like we should have done some different formation, but like most of these guys have played other formations. Like also, you know, during the season, this team has played three, five, two. We've had stretches of time where we've played four, three, three or four, two, three, one type formations. Like, and they're all professionals who play the game at both a club and international level. So like, you can't tell me that if you'd have told them, hey, guys, we're going to go play 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2 or whatever, they wouldn't have all been able to figure it out in a week and a half or, you know, even three or four days. Because they would have. But, like, they weren't asked to. They just did the same thing, and and it didn't work. And And so, like, there's not even a vibes aspect to this. Like, like we took the opportunity that we had to give this team the quote unquote, like vibes higher. And we, and we just hired the guy that that's been there. Like we did nothing. Right. And then you want at least to see like the players feel reinvigorated to try more or something. And like, they did not seem any more geared up to play a football game than they have all season. And, like, you know, we don't need a new formation necessarily. And, yes, there's a lot of injuries, but it's, like, a recognition of, like, things we've talked about all season, like the way Perisic and Son interact on the pitch and how Perisic blocks those wider areas from Son occupying where he's strong and instead of forcing him inside where he has to receive, like, back to goal where he's really, really not capable, you know. A recognition that, like, that relationship is not a good one on the pitch. And 
giving them some instructions to try and smooth that out and change the way they played it. Like, like just like one minor tweak within the existing structures would have felt like somebody here is like recognizing the reason for the failure of Conte's regime. And the only answer that seems to have arrived at is that Conte himself was a bad vibe. And that's clearly not enough to fix this. But here's the thing about Stellini. It's like, you're not going to run some sort of like, you know, you're not going to like, I don't know, run the 78 Dutch team or something out there. You're not going to try and reinvent football. I get that. But I mean, the, but, but try, cool. though. No, no, no. Do something. No, no, no. I'm not done. I'm not done. You are a career assistant at this point, essentially, or at least a career low-level manager slash assistant. You have been given control of a Premier League top six team with one of the best strikers in the world, or two, depending on how you feel about Sun, that has a real shot at making Champions League football. You've got 10 games to fuck around and, sh- and just, like, like, when are you – you will never have an opportunity like this. Like, and I don't expect him to rent, like, the WM or something. But I do expect him to, like, try a couple things. Like, okay, this is getting stale. This isn't working. We can't reinvent the wheel at this point in the season. But I can, you know – again, I could rethink – the like Ben said, I can rethink the way Parasitch and Son are interacting. I can, you know, like, maybe drop some guys off. I can stop doing this play out of the bat shit. I can, you know – it's like there's options you have. There's things you can do to shake things up. At a minimum, you can just use some different faces. Okay, I'm going to put Sar in, and maybe we'll try to possess the ball a little bit, especially when we're up a man. Uh, anyway, I don't know. it was deeply frustrating and a little disappointing because I think we were all hoping for at least, like, some ideas, um, which I don't think would have been as mollifying as maybe we think they would have been. But, God, at least it would have been something. So, so I – I know we've kind of done a lot of big picture stuff right now, but I did want to like drill down on a specific aspect of the Everton match that I was specifically very annoyed about. And it was our midfield. Um, You know, Hoiberg and Skip, it's been okay. Um, But in this match, it was just so woefully inadequate. I think, I mean, look, if you're listening to our show, you've already seen it on Twitter, but there are so many clips of Hoiberg just walking around or not being in the right position. And, and, and Skip is largely guilty by association in this situation, but he wasn't exactly, you know, amazing in this game either. And it just makes me so angry that we didn't really do much to get either of them out of there. Like we didn't, or, or to support them with a third midfielder, like Saar, like Greg said, or like, or even, even if you want to roll those guys out there, fine. But there was a point at which it was like, this just isn't Skip's day. And I'm not like ready to fucking send him a Samp or something, but like, you know, there's a point in that match where like, I think Everton was targeting him. I think he just wasn't having a good day at the office. And it's like that they just didn't think like, okay, let's make, especially when we went up a man, like, Okay, like Decore is not out there to beat the shit out of him anymore. Let's put on, you know, Sar and see what we can do. Especially, well, I mean, Decore was a real problem for us the whole match, and like he's like maybe the only Everton player I like respect. Like he's the only Everton player I felt like 
all right, well, he's doing things to us, and I'm not, like, ashamed of our players for letting yeah, that look, happen. He, he has a skill and an ability in, in terms of dribbling and move, progressing the ball forward on the dribble. And he is, I'm not going to say he's Dembele-esque, but he's, like, you know, in that comp, in that realm where he's, like, he's like skilled. And he, he made Skip and Hoiberg look like children at multiple point during that game. And, and I get it, you know, like skip and Hoiberg are the two most, you know, positionally sound defensively competent midfielders that you have at your disposal right now. And like, you know, a midfield of Sar and Alfie divine isn't like ideal, but just but like, the whole thing wasn't working. Like, I mean, the, the the fact that we waited so long and to to make any sort of changes at all is well, that's the absurd. thing that kills me, right? It's like, you know, Hoiberg is a guy who's very divisive, and I don't want to wade into that. But at the very least, you can acknowledge that he has played way too many minutes consistently over like several years for this team. We just relied on him to play all the time, and he's coming off of an international break where he played ninety minutes in two games, like. He is a guy who could use a breather every now and again, and we never seem to give it to him. And the more tired he is, the shittier he looks. And, like, you look at Everton, and, like, they were willing to sub guys off for worse guys just to get some fresh legs and energy out there, you know, to try and match up with us and get back in this game. And we just left, you know, an outmatched skip and a leggy Hoiberg on the pitch for 90 minutes, and... We're surprised to find that, like, they weren't up to closing down Keane in the 90th minute, you know, to stop a winner. Because, yeah, like, that's not a shot that you'd expect to, like, concede from. But, like, it's telling that, like, he had that much space and time. Because our guys just were not equipped to play football anymore. Like, they're tired. They've been run into the ground. And, you know, they're not getting breaks. We're not using subs all season long. Like, Try something different. Get somebody out there, just a body who doesn't have 4,000 minutes on their legs this season and let them run around. And, like, even if they're not as defensively sound, perhaps, like, the fact that they can actually run five yards at a clip, you know, at a full sprint is is better than the guy who's ostensibly better and who has been run into the ground all season. Well, and um, I think that's And I think that's what's so irritating is we talk a lot about, like, the way this front office works and the way this team works and whatever else you want to say about Spurs. Like, I think you could say this front office has given them options like that, that can be used off the bench. I don't think they're ideal all the time, but like, you know, Dan Juma's just fucking sitting there and I don't care if he's like a hundred thousand percent fit for purpose. Like, you know, he's not like Roger Schmidt. He can contribute something to Tottenham Hotspur. You know, it's, 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 there are players on the bench. There, there are alternatives joke. and they just aren't being used. And it's, it's again, like I'm not, this is not a long, we're not talking about the long-term issues with the club, but like right now there are alternatives on the bench. There are things that we could do differently. It's not like the end of last season where we had like 12 players who could really play. And right. I mean, like, you was know, we useless are, or a bench player. Like, we are very injury hit at the moment. Like it is true that we had like Alfie divine and, and Mundell on the bench. And I don't, I'm not expecting them to get in this game. 
I'm like, you know, if they're on the bench, maybe they could be a contributor. But, like, you know, we hear so much about how, you know, these players are a problem and these players are letting down manager after manager. And yet we keep going back to these same players who are the guys who have, you know, quit and let down the manager and let down the club. Like, I just don't understand how these guys like Scar and Danjuma have just been so frozen out when all we heard from Conte is that it was the player's fault and nobody is willing to give some other well, I guess they don't put their shin pads on fast enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I feel like there is – I am tired of talking about the minutia of how bad we are week in, week out. Can we talk about the minutia of how bad we are? From top uh, to bottom? From top to yeah, bottom. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about the front office, which has, again, done a better job of supplying this team that our managers would let you lead you to believe. But, yeah, um, so last week uh, FIFA put down a ruling that um, Fabio Paratici can't do his job anymore, anywhere, because um, they're backing up the Italian ruling. Um, I have a little bit of sympathy in that I, for Spurs and that I can actually believe that FIFA gave them no heads up that this was coming. At the same time, Spurs probably, I think, yeah, they did hire Paratici when they knew this was a cloud hanging over him. And that they didn't, again, I know the timing got shifted because they pushed back the hearing in Italy, but, like, they didn't have a contingency plan in place that, like, well, when this happens, this is what we're going to do. You know, I find that very frustrating. And that, you know, like, this... This is a team that, like like I said, I actually am not shocked that FIFA would give them no heads up. that They're just going to go ahead with this and we don't give a shit that we're rescheduling. And I don't mind that maybe they were caught a little bit unaware. But that their first instinct was to talk about that. Like, no, no, you don't talk about that. You move plan B up. And, like, even if that plan B is, like, we're going to wait for Paratici, like, this ruling to come out. If they came out and just said something like, okay – this was a little sooner than we expected. We believe in Fabio Paratici. We are going to, you know, I don't know, one of these new scouts or deputies is in control. That would have been better than what they ended up doing. Putting that aside, it, it's just, they've known since the new year. Like, it, let's be very generous to Spurs. Since January 1st, they've known this was going to be a problem. And I think I've seen every Spurs journalist just incredulous that Tottenham haven't cut bait here. And, you know, like, I, I appreciate that, like, Levy probably likes this guy. He has done a lot to, for whatever reason, Levy trusts him to sort of reorganize the club. But, like, even assuming this is the one time where Spurs aren't going to be completely bloodless, they didn't have a plan B, even like an interim plan B in place. It's just it's infuriating. Particular, it's particularly galling when, you know, Levy knew for a week or so that he was going to have to fire contact. After the yes. Southampton tirade, it was inevitable. And you knew the guy who you trust to be in charge of that manager search is Fabio Paratici, who has this cloud hanging over him and may be banned from doing his job forever. And so now, not only do you have this Paratici situation you haven't handled, you have created a new problem of the manager search that is contingent on Fabio Paratici being able to do his job to solve that problem and you know that going into next year 
if Fabio Peritucci has to go, you're going to want to replace him with the director of football to work with your new manager. That like none of these thoughts seems to have crossed Daniel Levy's mind to say we need to line up the way this club is moving forward from a director of football on down because that needs to happen in lockstep and it shouldn't be this fucking you know criminal mastermind overseeing our manager search. And then once the ban came down, it was even clearer that like something decisive needs to happen. We need to get our shit in order so that we can move forward into this summer with a plan. And we just, we're just floundering. We seem to have no ideas how to resolve either of these situations. I might be reading this incorrectly, but the way I read the news of how Paratici was like, I'm stepping aside guys. It seemed to be, they took the temperature for a day or two. And then we're like, okay, this isn't tenable. I'm going to step down until this is resolved. Like you didn't, like have that lined up if this happens i will do this like come on like what the fuck are we doing here like the the paratici discussion i think is a little interesting because what i think it really is in a lot of ways which i think sort of distorts how it's discussed among spurs fans i think a lot of spurs fans just aren't happy with him for real or not real reasons um which are fair and not fair enough and I think they, they just want it, a lot of them want to use this as a vehicle for getting him out, which I guess is fair enough. But like, I don't know, like, I don't. I don't have a lot of time for the moralistic arguments about Paratici. Like, I don't really care what he did with Juventus, because frankly, I think every like a lot of high level European clubs do it. And frankly, I think he was probably doing it under in some level of instruction. But what I do have a problem with is like, this is ah, not a Nuremberg defense. Yes, Greg. Well, no, but it's like, you know, whatever. I know you, I it's not important. I don't care. I'm not, I don't think Fabio Paratici is going to be doing financial crimes at Tottenham Hotspur unless Daniel Levy explicitly tells him to. No, but like, okay. I don't really care about that. What I care about is this scandal now has like, like, like the stink isn't even on Juventus anymore. Cause all those guys resigned the stinks on us. And right. it's like, you knew this was coming. You knew this was going to be a problem. You knew this was going to be ugly. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a little unfair to Paratici. Maybe he was just doing what he was told. But regardless of how you feel about that element of it, it's our problem now. And I'm fucking tired of it making our lives more difficult. They should have been able to move on because they knew this was going to happen. Right. So so what this is all about and and what I think, I don't know, our podcast has spent a lot of time over the last seven or eight years is is this is all about process and like and, and like our process is fucked up and and so like you know look you know i guess that i can see a through line that says you know the process that gets you to pair uh paratici or paratici or whatever um like like the, that that process makes sense but then once you get the details of the the Italian prosecutors investigation into Juventus, after you get to their charges against Juventus, after you get the ruling from the courts in Juventus, and then like the fact that that process then doesn't start. Like, like you guys said, there wasn't a plan B, that we didn't have something that we were going to do if some ruling was handed down. Like, it makes no sense. And so, so for, so everything 
for us right now, I feel, is just a failure of process. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not like a unique voice saying this, but like, you know, our, our process failed in hiring a manager that led us to Nuno. And then our process failed in, you know, identifying Conte as the manager that had Spurs DNA. And, and then, you know, our process failed in so many other ways along this whole thing. And, you know, the Paratici thing is, is to me indicative of that whole thing. Like, like, you know, Daniel Levy, um, Paratici, Stellini, like it's all of a piece. And, and it all speaks to like, we just don't, do things until there's some sort of outside pressure you know like so it, but i think ahead. i think there's a there's, a, there's an interesting point you make there brian because like again i don't think paratici's been as bad a gm at least in terms of player acquisitions people say but like the problem you have at spurs is like yeah a bunch of dumb shit has happened in the last few months that like yeah you probably i don't think i think it would be reasonable to say that for all of Conte's problems, the way and speed in which it fell apart this year was something that would have been hard to predict. But you com- you know, but you combine that with the fact that we're not planning for our director of football, like who could clearly get banned from, you know, doing his job, that we have like no no process in place for how to handle something that is so obviously coming down the pipe or could, or could obviously be coming down the pipe. That's where it speaks to where it's like the, the process being non-existent or broken, it gets fucked up when just things start going wrong and enough has gone wrong this year that it is just breaking everything at the club. So I think I do, I do have a theory about what Daniel Levy's process is. And it's not that we don't have one. It's that it's, just deeply wrongheaded about who we are as a club and what we need to be doing to compete at the top level. You know, Spurs are the like 11th or 12th richest club in the world and the sixth richest club in the Premier League. And to Daniel Levy, that means we're a big club and there's just a few things we need to do to cement that big clubness of Tottenham Hotspur. And the reality of the situation is we're a bigger club than a lot of clubs, but we are at some significant economic detriment compared to the actual biggest clubs in England and in the world. And Dana Levy's process seems to be, I just need to emulate those big clubs a little more and then we'll be a big club. And you've seen that in his managerial hires where he's like, okay, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte. These are the kinds of managers that big clubs have. If I get a manager like that, we'll be a big club too. That's the only thing separating us from a big club is not having the big club manager. And I think Paratici is in that same space where we don't have a big club director of football. This is the guy who was in charge at Juventus. They're a big club. If we get a guy who can do that for Spurs, we'll be a big club too. And so then once he gets those guys, he's very, very, very slow to react to the circumstances around them because he doesn't want to lose that big club, Jose Mourinho. He doesn't want to lose the big club, Antonio Conte. You know, I don't. I think if Antonio Conte hadn't melted down the way that he did, Levy never would have fired him. But because it became so untenable, he had to say, OK, we have to get rid of this guy. But I think the process here 
is solely driven by emulating the big clubs as much as possible. And what the process needs to be is saying, okay, we are not a big club in resources. We need to leverage our strengths and find, you know, players with better recruitment and analytics than these big clubs because we're not the kind of club who can get it wrong 15 times and be fine because we're Chelsea and we'll just buy a 16th guy. And if that guy hits, we're great. Like we need to be smarter about that process and trying to just replicate the way big, bigger clubs operate in the marketplace and, you know, in the front office and in the dugout, it's just not going to ever work until we recognize that we are a fundamentally different kind of club than Juventus and Chelsea and Bayern and Real Madrid and whatever we want to be. And we need to operate accordingly. And like he had that idea for most of his tenure at Spurs until he hit a point where Pochettino took us to this level where it was like, we've made it. And it seems like he has sort of lost the process that got us here and is trying to adopt a different, worse process because he thinks that's the process big clubs follow. I think that's, that's partly right, Ben. And I think you touched on, I think, what's going on. But I think the other side of that aspect is he wants to be a big club. He wants to do these things. But it's also like Tottenham kind of in this sort of, I'm going to get the metaphor wrong here, but just bear with me. It's, but they've been this sort of slow motion car accident since like uh, the beginning, let's say the beginning of the season after the Champions League. Like, yeah, we should have refreshed the team. We should have bought people that window. But like Pochettino just checking out and the team and, you know, Indombele and Lacelso just being complete nothings for the club like that's when things really just like it was like you know we we lost we had to fire our manager in october that year and so oh fuck what are we gonna do we gotta hire Mourinho, and it's just been then COVID happens and yada 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 and it's just been this he's been trying to keep his head above water since then and that is exposing the process because he's doing you know it's been this sort of transition in his new model that we've had at the level which pochettino took us where we're a team that can make the champions league final and, you know, he's not great at operating at that level, but also, you know, we've had this bad luck. We've had these setbacks, some of which are by our design, some of which aren't. But, you know, we don't have the ability, you know, I think. But I think that's my every, whole point. I right? think everyone perceives Chelsea as a much better run club, like you said, because they just spend their way out of problems. If we did some like like some of the things that happened at Chelsea would have just like crippled us because we can't go higher, say, um, um, I'm blanking on the name of the manager. Graham Potter. Not, well, Graham Potter, yes, but... Nagelsmann? I mean, talking about this iteration. I'm talking about um, when, when they hired um, Liverpool manager. God, I'm blank. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on the... the when, when they hired him to just take over the team in the middle of the year. I mean... Rafa Benitez? That's it. Thank you. Sorry. I don't know why. Jesus. <laughs> but no, but I mean, that's my point about process, right? It's like failing on an Dombla Lo Celso signing is catastrophic for us in a way that it's not for other people. And if we can't recognize that we can't take the same kind of swings with the same failure rate that other clubs do, we're never going to succeed. We need to be more effective in how we buy players and how we target players and how we manage players because we can't just have that huge levels of attrition. We've had so many big busts in the last few years. Um, I mean, even because of that, we're on this hamster wheel of like it just keeps going and we can't get off of it. And I think we all thought we were getting off of it last summer, or at least like 
getting onto a different hamster wheel with Conte, but it just, you know, because like things were like, okay, the transfer window wasn't that good last year, but also like all of Conte's friends died and he just stopped trying. Son completely fell off a cliff in a way that I think even the most pessimistic Spurs fan didn't think was possible. It's just, you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's the hamster wheel just keeps on spinning and we don't have the money to buy our way off, which means we have to be smart about how we stop these problems and move on. Right. And, and we talked about it last summer, like 60 million on Richarlison was not money well spent. I was very, very, very adamant about that at the time. And, you know, our move to get attacking reinforcements in January was to get Dan Juma on loan. Like that was all we could muster up. And we don't even seem to want to play that guy. You know, like we aren't capable of digging ourselves out of those mistakes. So we need to develop the process to recruit better and recruit cheaper so that when you make a mistake, it's not crippling. And that's the thing that seems to elude Daniel Levy as he just commits to these big names as if that's going to be the thing that fixes the, the club. Brian, you're muted. You know, I pressed the button. I really thought I'd unmute myself. Um, so I guess I, what you were saying there, Ben, is like, is like that's the question. Is like, are we moving on from this sort of era of Daniel Levy where he's, we'll charitably call it like win now mode, um, even though you know some of the other stuff doesn't necessarily seem to indicate that's the mode we're in um like you know the the fact that we had all this international break and that we still we waited like eight days to appoint a new manager or, or to sack the old manager and then appoint his assistant as the new manager like it just kind of begs the question of of, of where are we what are, what are we doing going forward is is are we going to appoint a guy like Luis Enrique where we're, we're just trying to, you know, not necessarily do the same thing, but with where we're going to try to maximize the, the, you know, late peak age talent that we do have, or are we actually going to try something different? And we're in this weird point right now where like as fans of the club, we don't have an indication and everything that we are given seems to point us towards, no, we're just going to keep doing the same thing. It, and, and so it's frustrating. And, and, and like the overall direction of this club, like we've talked about so many times on the, on this podcast should be like, you know, super refined processes, super defined objectives, you know, having advantages in scouting and analytics and, and all this sort of stuff. Levy just has no clear direction and he, he's not doing these things. And, 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 and these are things that you would think of him as a, as a business person as, as being able to identify as things that he can take advantage of weaknesses in the market, whatever. and, we've just gotten kind of shrugs of the shoulder from him in response to everything, you know, in response to Conte in response to the FIFA ruling on Paratici, like it's unclear. Like what, what do Daniel Levy and Joe Lewis want now? Like we're just kind of 
sitting on our hands and, and, and waiting for people to do stuff to us. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right from a business perspective. Like, it is so much cheaper to hire 20 guys in a recruitment and analytics team than it is to make one bad sign. Like, the salaries are just very, very cheap to get some nerds and some real football men together in a room to say, hey, who do we like? How are we going to do this? Who's cheap? Where are the market inefficiencies in world football? And how do we leverage that to our advantage? Um, And instead, we're just not trying to put that together because we think we can just go toe to toe with the big guys. And so, you know, I think Paratici is good at what he does, but what he does is buy pretty good players for pretty good teams. I don't know that he has it in him to put together any kind of like smart recruitment strategy to like find the guys that, Chelsea isn't going to beat us to, you know, like we all know who the obvious targets are. We all look at like Bastoni and Guardiola and be like, yeah, that's the center back we should sign. But if the reality is, is we can't sign them because there are bigger teams who are going to swing their dick around and win those things, we need to come up with another plan for how to get guys who are not the obvious guys who Chelsea isn't looking at. And they're out there. They're out there all the time. Um, we just don't seem interested in pursuing that. So, you know, I think Fabio Paratici going to jail or being banned from football, it is a possibility that, like, we get lucky by having to replace him with somebody else and that somebody else isn't just, like, a Rolodex guy. But it doesn't feel like there's, like, a plan to do that. It's just, well, maybe that's just the guy Levy ends up with by happenstance, and that works out. And I think... You know, Levy missed a real good opportunity to show us, you know, what direction he saw for the club or or where he thought we were in our competitive cycle by not appointing a, a permanent manager. By saying that Stellini is going to take charge for these last 10 games he kind of indicates that he's punting on this, right? Like, you know, I'm not exactly a fan of hiring Pochettino, but if you say, oh, Mauricio Pochettino is now our permanent manager, he has a two-year contract, you're saying something about what your direction is, right? Like, and... And right now, we, we have no direction. Like, you know... Do you think that absence of direction says something about a future direction? Yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like, like, so you look at Chelsea and Chelsea sack, like a manager who has not been great, but also not been awful. And, um, you, and, and you do that because presumably based on all the reporting, like the guy you actually want suddenly became available. And, and now you're negotiating for Nagelsmann to take over your team. And and, and if you're Spurs and you, you actually had the opportunity to talk to this guy first and potentially bring him in and 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 your narrative is is what? Like your your narrative is status quo and 
I don't know. Like we just could have done so much to change around the fan perception, like the the podcaster perception of what this club is doing. And by basically doing nothing, we just fed into this Enoch out, Levy out sort of thing where there's now no new plan and no new direction and nothing to wish on and nothing to hope on. And it's going to be this way until the end of May. What? Right. What are we buying into for the, for the next nine games? Like, why why should we as fans give a shit about the rest of the season? Nobody else involved in the club seems to. Yeah, and and again, I appreciate that. Like, maybe some of your options don't want to take charge right now, but. But what is what what does that give you as a as a a supporter of the club to to think about like like what what have you done with the subsequent decision points that have arisen like you haven't come out with a firm statement on Parachi you haven't uh you know just just like there's been nothing for you to hang your hat on as a fan as a supporter and it, it and we could have done something like. You could have said that if you want to hire Pochettino, you could have just hired him and then been like, but he will take over effective May 31st. Like, that's totally a thing you can do. And and instead, we have nothing and we just have to watch us slump lazily to the finish line on this season. Right. And it's not like we've hired an interim manager that we can't, like, release statements about that like, would undermine him. Like, he's not here for the long haul, you know? Even if you make a statement and say, you know, hey, we have targets in mind, we're going to wait till the end of the season to evaluate, whatever, say that. If that's not the case, if you're going hard in the paint for Nagelsmann, you know, you can leak that in the press all day long and people will feel fine knowing that, like, we're trying to do something. Like, there's... Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't feel like anything is happening. Well, and I think that's the funny thing is, like, even the leaks in the press system it has been non-existent on this for for who Spurs are going to appoint. Like, I think if we look at the ITKs for the last couple of weeks, it's just like they all agreed that Conte was a dead man walking, but none of them were talking about really who the the first option was or who the club was talking to about replacing Conte. And I, you know, I, I don't think we should place too much value on ITKs, but like if no one, if there's not even any talks with us, you know, for, for managers like Pochettino, Enrique, um, you know, any of the other managers we might be interested in like slot and um, uh, Pascoglu and whoever, like, there's just nothing out there. Like, we're not doing anything. Well, I think to also, again, not to put too much talk in ITK, but one thing that did come out early on was that everybody at the club has their own favorites. Daniel Levy wants this guy. Members of the board want these guys. Paratici wants Enrique. You know, like, and they're all kind of at an impasse disagreeing over what direction the club wants to go in. Which, you know, goes back to your early point about lack, lack of process. Like, there is nobody that we have just empowered to be in charge of football decisions to make that call. 
it seems to be there's like a, a handful of people all fighting over you know who their guy is and like that's just no way to run a football club like you need a clear process and a clear identity and a clear way of moving forward I, you know i don't even care i mean i do but i don't even care who that guy you're targeting it is but i'd like to know that there is a system in place of this club for figuring it out and interviewing him and hiring him and the process that seems to exist is we have a bunch of senior executives who have different ideas about what this club should be and that's not a process Greg, you've been quiet for an alarming amount of time. Uh, mostly because my, my son must have heard us talking about Tottenham Hotspur and was not a happy camper. Uh, <laughs> so let me get this in while I can. Um, I, I think, like, you know, there, I think there's a lot of things, like I said, that have just gone really wrong for this club that aren't their fault. But, you know, the all these things, they're, they're just not prepared for anything. And it's, you know, like a club that is better prepared is better prepared to deal with things like, you know, COVID or Conte dying, Conte's friends dying or whatever. Um, I mean, we're not that lucky. But um, anyway, um, you know, we are just not super well run. And it's it's going to sound stupid. And this, I think, sort of just speaks where my mental state is. Like, I'm almost glad that, like, Chelsea fired Potter and, and clearly is awake because they're, they're keen on Nogglesman. Because I almost think it's going to force us to make a better hire. Like, I think it's going to force us to hire someone who's maybe a little more up and coming, maybe a little more in it for the long term, maybe not thinking they're doing us a favor by being here. Um, you know, like, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to hire a guy like Slot or Desarby or whoever. Um, obviously, there's a real problem in terms of, um, you know, our structure and everything, but, you know, a manager's not going to solve everything. The problems here are deeper than that. But like, God, at least we might. At least, like, the only positive I can think about where we are right now is like, Paratici, like on the lamb or whatever. Maybe we're going to have to like take a hard look in the mirror and come up with some solutions. Well, I do. I, I mean, I kind of agree with that because I think I think that Nagelsmann is easily the best coach available. But I think. I think you're right. And I think we've talked about this, the idea of, you know, a coach who's doing us a favor and isn't committed to us, doesn't see us as an opportunity, but sees us as a paycheck and a way to rehab his re uh, reputation or whatever is not necessarily the direction we need to be moving in, especially if Daniel Levy thinks just getting that coach is the thing that fixes the problems. And yeah, if Chelsea takes that off the table and we have to actually come up with a process just because there is no, you know, silver bullet, big name manager who can be the guy. It, it might not be the worst. I mean, that sounds like Cope, but like it might actually benefit us. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I mean, we've just been like... <laughs> We've, we've been put in such a difficult position with everything. And I, I don't know. The, the process could have put an actual permanent manager in place, I guess, is, is, is my main issue right now. Like, we could have done a thing. 
and and you know we can talk about like if the process that would have led us to x manager or y manager would have been good or bad but like by 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 not making any decisions i think we've really hurt ourselves because we've allowed Chelsea now to sack their manager and then potentially enter the race for Nagelsmann and, and probably likely win that race. And to be fair, I think we have very little to do with Nagelsmann not ending up here. I think. No. And, 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 and we probably wouldn't have hired him anyway, but like you could have done any number of things in over the international break. You had two weeks in which you could have executed something. And our something wasn't, you know, multiple interviews with Pochettino. Our something wasn't interviews with Enrique or, um, you know, whoever else we, we might want. It it was delaying and delaying more and delaying more. And we wound up where Stellini is in charge. And, and we've already talked a little bit about that, but like. It's not good enough. It's just, it's just not. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'm at the point where I'm so frustrated with this club, and like, I, I Ben touched on this a little bit already, but like, what do we look forward to over these next nine games? Like, what are we as fans looking at to? give us hope or to, you know, at least intrigue us in, in, in any minor fashion for next year and the summer and whatever. Like, there's just nothing, right? Like, like it's Stellini and the Conte tactics and what? Like, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the reality is, is like, it's tough to hire somebody with 10 games to go. You know, we waited a really long time to fire content. We could have fired him a couple months ago, and then someone's like, okay, yeah, I could come manage you for half a season. But, like, why is Slot or Postacoglu going to leave, like, a title-winning season now to come manage us when they can, you know, take that title and then, you know, have their pick of clubs in the summer? Maybe even us. But, like, you know, does Irving just got to Brighton in the middle of the season? Is he really going to leave now? They might finish above us. Like, you know, uh, they seem like a pretty well-run situation over there. I think it's tough to entice somebody at this stage in the season who already has a job. So the kind of moves we could have made now are Pochettino or Enrique. Those are the two guys that we're linked with that don't have jobs. And... I think the fact that we didn't move for them signals we probably don't know that we want them. Um, And if we end up with them later, it's going to be even more embarrassing. It's going to be an even bigger indictment of what a shit show our, our managerial search process looks like. But if the case is, is, you know, we're going to try and poach a manager from another club, it feels like the kind of thing you could just say to put fans' minds at ease. Like, we have a plan. We just can't execute it right now. because well, Especially as, like, you know, and I, I, I didn't really think this till after the Everton game. Like, 
if Daniel Levy wants to chill people the fuck out, like in the short term, like what's the way to do that? Let's hire Mauricio Pochettino. Now that may or may not be the right move for this club going forward, where he brings in, you know, you know, his puppet D, D, director of football. But like, you know, if we're gonna get there, let's do it now. But I don't know. It's just like Brian says, the process stinks. And like you said, Ben, like, what are you gonna do right now, even if you have a good process? So it's just, you know, again, it's what we been dealing with we're on the like i said earlier we're on this hamster wheel we just can't get off of it and it's like bad thing after bad thing and you know sooner or later we're gonna have to figure out but even even if you told me you know what we're taking a hard look in the mirror we're gonna hire a real dof that everyone likes and all this other shit that's probably not happening till the summer and that's you know we got nine games left to go fuck like that's not gonna be fun for anyone and it's exhausting and none of us have faith that this is actually gonna get fixed um well I guess, Certainly I guess, not my son, who is deeply upset about all of this. Well, I guess that's that's actually a, a, an interesting question. Is now that you have a manager that's an interim manager, and and we already talked about all the reasons that he had to to actually be adventurous and to try different things in this Everton match. Like, is he going to do that going forward? Like, like. Do you guys have any confidence at all that the next nine games are different than what we saw kind of against Everton? And that we, I guess, ultimately that we are able to finish in fourth, which is, to me, I think the reason why you make this decision is you assume you can finish fourth, right? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know that Stellini gives us a better chance than anything else we're doing finish fourth but you know if you sacked him tomorrow and said all right ryan mason's in charge he's gonna put ketchup back on the table go have fun for nine games like i i wouldn't hate that yeah i mean there's something to be said for the mason sherwood vibe situation like the the put the guys on the field and let them do whatever they want right like I think that's 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 at least more interesting than you know Conte 2.0 or you know whatever right. we're the running. The tactics certainly isn't getting the best out of the players, so maybe let the players get the best out of the players and get the fuck out of their way and just let us see what that looks like. Because what do we got to lose? Yeah, I I just. It, it, it's Tottenham it's, Hotspur. What do we have to lose? That should be our motto. Yeah. I mean, fellas, we got, we're going to have like nine weeks to talk about the rest of this shit, or I don't know, however many weeks there are actually left. But I'm going to wrap it up because Fabio Paratici has ruined my child's um, sleeping patterns. So, uh, Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at ComradeUspurs. And Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That's Brian with a Y. You can find me on Skipjack0079 on Twitter and probably not getting a lot of sleep at home. Um, I'm going to go deal with my son who is just as upset about Spurs as everyone else. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you very much. Uh, For Ben, for Brian, and of course for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs, and please let my child go to sleep.